What's happening? This is Steve Brown from Trickster, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Turn it up, crank it up, turn it up loud. Focus Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to another episode of Focus on Metal and uh, in the studio for our final show of the year before we go off on our annual winter break is Richie. Yeah, I'm here. Made it down through the freaking cold and... Uh, There's a reason bands don't play up here in <laughs> December, January and February. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it is It's it is freezing, so it definitely signals time for our, our annual winter break. And uh, I think it's I think it's well deserved time to uh, to recharge and all that. But uh, before we go, we thought we'd leave you with a pretty cool episode. Now, this isn't the episode that uh, two weeks ago I was thinking we were going to run. No. Um, so we're going to tease you and say that you know what you're going to have to wait till February to hear this one. And instead, uh, Richie was able to hook up with uh, with Anthony Esposito. Yeah. And um, when I heard that, I my ears perked up. And, of course, Anthony is out and about promoting Red Dragon Cartel with the new uh, release, Patina. So, Richie, was, you were able to talk to him a crap load about, about, you know, Red Dragon, a lot of stuff about Jake, got a little bit of Badlands stuff in there as well, which is cool. And I it was happy that his his favorite Badlands album is my favorite Badlands album. And uh, <laughs> just hearing him say that, I remembered, like, the first time I put that on. And, I mean, it just rips right into that album. And I was just, like, instantly, like, I love this band. It was just, it was that instant. And uh, yeah, I really, um, I really love that album as well. And then of course, because Anthony's been with a lot of other folks, uh, you were able to uh, do your usual, hey, what about this? And, and what about that? And I also, I, I got to note too, that I love the, the, the fact that you, you started the interview by tying off with something that uh, you talked about way back with Wild Mick as well. It was like, oh yeah, that's right. We did talk about that. Yeah, well, he, I, met, I met him a few years ago. At the, he was at a Kiss convention in New Jersey. Mm. I talked about that with him about Wild Mick Brown and, and something he said to me at it. But one of the things I didn't say in the interview, um, when me and my friend went up to him to get something signed, he, him and whoever he was with at, at the merch booth, his manager or whatever, they were thrilled that we had lynch mob stuff for him to sign because <laughs> everyone else was probably asking him to sign Ace Freely stuff. Oh, of course, yeah. So when someone came up with lynch mob stuff, they knew who he really was yeah. from when he started. Yeah. And that's how we got talking about the, the docking show uh-huh. and the docking thing and, and the lynch mob not playing in Ireland. And you'll hear it all in the interview. Of course, after the interview, I'm like, eh, is he really that excited about signing lynch mob stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, we had, a, we had a great chat with him. We must have yeah. been talking to him for about 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was a really nice guy. And uh, I got offered to talk to him about the Red Dragon Cartel. Yeah, CD and oh yeah, straight away. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think it was cool that that you know, um, you know, people would be like, oh, I'd rather talk to Jake or whatever. But you know, we've always had good luck with talking to people that that aren't uh, you know the the main person in there as well. Even though Anthony is obviously heavily involved in in the writing and the production and all of that and and stuff. But on the surface, you think, why why did you guys want to talk to the bass player? But I think talking to just like when we talked to jimmy degrasso right when everybody yeah. else was talking to everybody else in the band um it worked out so much better so it was cool to get anthony on and i've always liked his bass playing anyways and uh you know seeing him go with lynch mob and then being like oh wow he's playing with ace and stuff so i, I thought it was cool just even just to have him on the show yeah what do you think of the album you know um i like it 
Um, I saw the uh, the video for Bitter, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is pretty good." Because um, you know, I was kind of disappointed with the other with the last album, so this was better. Uh, there's definitely some some cool songs that are on there. Um, what is it that one? Is it Ice and Water, Fire and... Yeah, it's one of the, the, ninth, one, the that, second from last song, I yeah, think. Yeah, that one there, I was like, wait a minute. The beginning of this kind of sounds like the door is right as the storm kind of thing. And then it gets better. Um, but I do, you know, I like the overall vibe. The one thing that's kind of getting on me is I keep listening to... Some of the songs have a very similar guitar sound, song to song. Um, not every song, but there's this, there's this common guitar sound on the album Mm. and I haven't yet figured out what it is I'm hearing and it's driving me nuts. It's, I just can't figure out what his signal path is. It's giving him that sound. So I can't figure out, am I slightly annoyed by the sound or or annoyed by the fact that I can't figure out how he's making it? Yeah, I know. Right. First word problems. Fucking guitar guitar players. But uh, I not just appreciate the music, but, but I do like <laughs> I, I, I do like the rest of it. And, uh, you know, and, and initially I noticed that sound, you know, you hear it on bitter um, and it was like, well, this is kind of it, it's there. You hear a little bit of it back in Badlands. Mm. Um, so it's not like it's a totally new thing, but it seems to be more present on this album. Um, and then he's got um, at least one song on there that really did have a Badlands sound too. Almost like if Badlands had continued, they heard music all the way up through and they adopted some things along the way. It was like a song in there that I was like, wow, this, this could actually be a Badlands track. Yeah. There are some like that. And, and even, um, right. you know, the way the singer is vocalizes some of that stuff. It reminds me of some of the way that Ray would approach, um, especially the way that Ray would be approach the beginning of phrases. Again, yeah, I guess I listened to this too much and started You've digging lost into me it. Here. But, but well, if you go back and you listen to how, how Ray Gillen it would have, he had a very unique way of when he would start a lyric, the way he would open that phrase up and the okay. way he would use his voice, and and it would be this initial like like a drive. And then a softness kind of a thing, and and this guy does it too. So there was there was some stuff that reminded me of Ray in this. Yeah, oh, okay. I think he's a very good singer. Yeah. Um, you look at some of the other singers uh, Jake's <laughs> played with. There's a lot of pressure on him, but I think he did definitely delivered on this one. It's good. Yeah, it's. I really like the record. I think it's really really good. Yeah, I do too. I thought it. I thought it was good. Like I said, it just and yeah. It, does it take away from from the the you know the the songs and stuff? No. And and again, like I said, I was I was pretty pleased, you know, after the last one, I was like, well, you know, everyone's saying, wow, Jake is back and all that. And I'm like, and is he really? Um, I'm not really hearing it. But this, um, it's got a cool vibe. It's, you know, like Anthony talks about that, it's got some of that classic rock 70s stuff in there. And it does, absolutely does. Um, you made a very, very valid point about um, the fact that you can hear like everything. And even, you know, sitting here and listening to a digital copy of it, I could actually hear the, the panning of left and right and how some things he would he would do this guitar lick and it would pan it would pan left, then it would pan right, and the answer thing would drop dead center and I could hear that in there. And there was even one point where there was a drum hit and it was it was so clear on through everything else that I was like Huh? And like turned around, like did I hear something like behind me? Mm. Um, so I mean, it was a good pickup on your part of, about the, the the competency of the mix. Well, you can hear every single note yeah. Anthony plays on the bass, and, and that's tough to Everything. do. It's it's well, part of the secret though of uh, of that is that on this, 
Um, it really has more of that traditional drum sound. So you don't have this very huge, deep bass sound from the drum, from the bass drum. What do you mean, reverb? No, no, just the, no. Um, a lot of songs now get really mixed with a very, very present bass drum. And that bass drum and, and lower toms compete with the frequency of the bass guitar. Okay. And so then you, so then you start having to mess around with how do, you, how do you correct phase between those and how do you adjust the levels to, to what you want to have out. And, and uh, you know, it, it can be difficult to do. But if you start with that bass line uh, of, the, of the basic kind of, um, kind of rock solid, uh, normal 70s hard rock kind of drum sound that drives it, but it actually gives enough dynamic range for uh, the bass. And, you know, that's another part of it, too, is that this is not mixed hot. You know, so every level on this isn't pushed until it's red, that there's actually range for things to go up and down, oh, yeah. for things to breathe. Yeah, definitely. Now, some of that may be because, you know, he talks about the fact that... Um, what was it, Punch Clown, that yeah. they had to leave off of the, of the mm-hmm. vinyl, right? Because that, that you know, when you start to decrease the, the width of the grooves as you get more songs on there. So I think that there's definitely a thing here where they're mixing for vinyl, you know, and then and, and hoping that that translates well to digital. And it, and it does, um, with, with kind of a unique twist that normally vinyl wouldn't allow you to have as, as kind of punchy a bass as you have. So, yeah, it was it's pretty cool to... to uh, get some of that insight from Anthony about mm. what they were thinking about and what they had to do. And I'm glad you asked the questions you did. Uh, but it's a, it's pretty well put together. Well, he, when I was offered Anthony, I had the, I had the CD co-produced it, co-wrote everything. Yeah. Did most of the lyrics. So it's Jake's band, but he had a big hand in the, right. in the, in the album. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not getting the bass player on who can only talk about his bass parts. <laughs> he can talk about the whole thing. Right. Right. And some of the other bands he was in as well, which is how I wanted to get to. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. So, and that's another thing too. So, um, you know, basically, you know, you talked to him about a few things and a few things you just kind of, you wanted to ask for your own kind of personal, hey, you know, I'm curious about this. Yep. You, a lot of times you do that and you take the opportunity and that's great. And um, in this case, it was it was a case of, of uh, even though you were saying, hey, you know, this can be off the record. Now, Anthony's told you. Just roll it. Roll it. Let roll it, it all. Put it all in. In fact, I was, you know, I was editing up prior to this and, uh, you know, there was a, a chunk that I was like, well, I'm not sure if that's really what, you know, I'm going to clarify with, with Richie when he no, drops I, down. I, I texted uh, him after the interview and yeah. he said everything's fine. So it's, it was it like, hmm, okay, I'll, I'll put it in. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a cool overall interview. You get a lot of great information on what's going on with, uh, with Red Reg and Cartel, um, you know, just the whole uh, evolution with Jake and then just some insight into uh, some things that you may have said. You know, I wonder if this is what goes on or, you know, is, is what this guy said true and some of that. And, and so you get some of that in there as well. So it's pretty it's uh, I think it's a pretty cool overall interview. It's not well, just current stuff. It's some other stuff from the past. Well, over time, when you do the show like ours, someone will say something in a past interview mm-hmm. and you'll talk to the, the per, one of the people that was involved. Yeah. In the future. Yeah. And you can bring it up. Yeah. And this is one of the interviews where I was able to bring it up yeah. about a couple yeah. of different people I spoke to. Yeah. And that was good. I'm, yeah. Sometimes it happens really soon. Like when Kip Winger was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to dispute that. Can I come on? But uh, no, I think it was cool. And, you know, now that we've, we've teased the crap out of it, uh, what do you say? We, uh, we roll it. Sure. 
that Anthony? Yeah, it's me. Let me try to find a spot where it doesn't waver. <laughs> sure. You let me know if I'm good. Am I good? Yeah, that sounds okay, yeah. How you doing? I'm okay. So <sighs> Cool. I'm going to start off the interview with a story that okay. I, I met you once. Um, about two years ago, about two or three years ago, you did a KISS convention in New Jersey. Yes, I, I did. I remember right after he fired me. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and a friend of mine... I went with a friend of mine. I drew, I came down for the weekend, and we met you, and you signed our Lynch Mob CDs. And one of the questions I asked you, I remember asking you because because I have a conclusion to the actual answer you gave me. I thought you might be interested to hear this. When you did the Wicked Sensation tour, uh, the first date of the Empire World Tour for Queensrÿche, um, you didn't play Dublin. And we played in Ed- Edinburgh. Yeah, and you told me at the time that the reason you didn't play Dublin was uh, George didn't want to play in Ireland because their their, their tour bus with Dokken had been uh, firebombed a few years before that. Uh-huh. And I had Mick Brown on the show, uh-huh. and I asked him. He didn't confirm it. That was the okay. reason, but he didn't he didn't deny it either. And. It- yeah, he had said, I remember George telling me, so I only am um, uh, extending uh, what was told to me. Obviously, I wasn't on that tour of not being the doctor. But um, it something, it was on, they were opening for ACDC, I believe, and it was in Ireland. And uh, it's something that they bus got fired on instead of the ACDC bus. But, I mean, I you know, this was 1990 when I told me this, and I usually have a pretty, pretty on-point memory, but uh, I don't know. that That's what I was told. Yeah, but the funny thing was, uh, Mick talked about the bus being firebombed. That, that's all true. And right. then, in the end of the interview, he said I was very well informed. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, see, so much so there was truth to the story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was, I was like I, told, I said, I wasn't there, so it's not my firsthand recollection of it. Um, I was told the story, and uh, that was the reason why uh, he passed on Ireland that run. Okay. I just thought I'd, I'd you know, I actually said at the time, you know, that, after I interviewed Mick, that if I ever interviewed you for anything, I'd t- I'd, I'd tell you that I actually did talk to someone about uh, that. <laughs> source. <laughs> Anthony, you're kind of breaking up again a lot. I'm, so. it's, I'm in the studio right now, actually. So it's, okay. I'm like, I'm inside, so it's kind of a rough. This probably will be better. This is where I usually sit. Okay. Yeah, it, that, that's good. That's good. Okay, good. Okay, fine. So let, let's let's talk a little bit about Red Dragon Cartel. The obvious question for me is, how did you end up joining the band? On the first CD that I had, I, I wasn't involved in, but my son was very much involved with it. Um, my son was involved with Jake. He had met Jake. My son moved to uh, um, to Las Vegas to uh, work in a studio there um, after he went to school for engineering. And he and Jake hit it off, and they became really good friends. And um, so Tyler worked a lot on the guitar tracks with Jake on the first Red Dragon Cartel CD. And then um, when uh, it came about to the time 
when uh, Jake had Jake was very unhappy with the initial bass player, uh, so he fired him and brought in Greg Chase on from Badlands to replace the first bassist. And uh, Greg Greg's health and 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 he had a steady job back home. It, it, it didn't give him the luxury to tour for very long pieces of time. So when that when he had to go back home. Uh, Jake had contacted my son Tyler, and initially Jake had asked Tyler if Tyler wanted to play bass. And Tyler kind of saw <laughs> the internet response to a lot of the guys in the initial band and how harshly they were treated and stuff like that. And he kind of thought that his first gig in the public eye it might not be wise to be playing in such a high profile thing with jake so jake was then then asked, well what about your your father would would, would would your dad be interested so i was sitting right next to tyler tyler's like jake wants to know if you want to play bass i was like yeah of course you know i'll do it and that that's how i got the gig and it was in like march of 2015 and then we just started to tour right after that and that was the summer of the revolving singer mm. so so do you think your son might have been a little bit nervous uh yeah yeah tyler's a tyler's a phenomenal bass player tyler tyler anything tyler wants to do he's very good at um he's a great engineer and he and jake get along great like they're best friends and um besides tyler being a, a a very skilled musician. He's also great to be around. And I think Jake was looking at it more like he wanted to travel and tour with people that he enjoyed their company, which he wasn't really, uh, there were some instances and, and some weren't that case, but there were some instances in the band that he wanted to enjoy life a little bit better. You know? Yeah. Did, did you know any of the other guys in the band before joining? No. Well, I knew the original bass player, um, and I knew Greg, and I knew Jake. Okay. I knew Jake from back in, uh, when Jake was in Badlands, and I was in Lynch Mob. Um, I went to a Badlands sound check in Phoenix, because Lynch Mob was based in Phoenix, and I was friends with Ray from New York City. So I went to sound check and hung out with ray at soundcheck and then ray and i went and got tattoos after soundcheck in phoenix but i had met jake at soundcheck that day and then like a year later we were part of the um, mtv sports used to do these rock and jock events mm -hmm. and uh we were part of the mtv celebrity race team and we had to go to uh like racing school together to get certified and then we did a couple races in a couple cities so that's when i really got to get to know jake a lot like we hung out a lot and um that's what when when we we sort of like solidified our friendship and then i didn't see him for years after that like decades because he disappeared and um and until I, I i went out to vegas while they were making the first record for one or two nights to visit my son and um i had seen jake that night and the night after when they were working on the first red dragon record and they played me some roughs and um and that that sort of i guess put me my son put me in the conversation again yeah yeah let's talk about your son just for a minute 
uh, sure. since you brought him up. You you spent many years in the music business and you've had your ups and downs. So when your son decided to go into it, were you a little bit nervous? Like, did you try and veer him away from it? He's very selective in what he does. Like, he's more selective than I am, and I'm pretty selective. Um, he doesn't really want to work on anything that he doesn't like or admires, whether he's engineering or playing. Um, he's incredibly selective with, 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 with and choosy about what he does. And um, I support my son and my daughter at whatever they decide to do. If it's in their heart and they want to pursue something, um, I, I just want them to do what they believe in so that they go 100% into it. Um, it have, if it's music, it's music. If it's not music, it's something else. It's, it's irrelevant what it is. It's more important their love for it and, and, and their desire and drive towards succeeding in it. Yeah. Do, do you think now, Anthony, that it, it's a lot harder, way harder now to make it? You can actually get your music out there, but to actually earn a living with it, it's like it's nearly a complete 180 from when you started with Lynch Mob. Yeah, it's sort of like a double-edged sword now. Now now it's um, a lot of people think that they can make CDs on their computer in their basement. Um, so the quality, it's a double-edged sword with the labels. The labels used to have more power, and they almost provided a funnel to where they would listen to all the demos and everything and funnel it down to what they thought was good or bottom line what they thought was good enough for them to make money on so they provided service of funneling it down be it good or bad and now we don't have that funnel service anymore so anybody who records anything on their phone or in their basement on their computer or whatnot has access to release it via the internet or whatever and it's a lot harder to weed out what's, I mean, it would take days and weeks to go to listen to everything. So it's almost like the arteries of the, of the music business are carotid by like blocked with all this extraneous stuff because there's really no filter. Uh, and radio is awful. Um, basically it's to the point where if you're not paying for it, you're not going to get played on it. And uh, it's real. That's not an avenue anymore f to hear new music or, or great bands or whatever. And, and so it's almost like you have to go to the internet to try to find new stuff. And uh, that's filled with a lot of stuff that's kind of not worthy, you know? Mm -hmm. When the offer was given to you to join Red Dragon Cartel, you'd been in two high profile bands before, led by guitar players. Did you, were you, did you have any trepidation about chiming another one because this was Jake's band? Well, I mean, I had done a lot of other stuff in New York that, that just wasn't as profile. Um, I had my own band um, that I did a record for TVT Records for, and um, it came out. But when it came out, I chose to go back to Lynch Mob and do a reunion tour instead of putting that CD, and the label was very pissed off at me for it. Um, and then I, I was in a bunch of punk rock bands in New York, and I played in this one thing called The Remains with three of the Ramones guys. Mm -hmm. um, 
and that was just basically a couple live shows and and rehearsals and stuff that what and we never recorded anything or, or, or anything and it was just um it just seems to be that the profile gigs that i'm offered always happen to be guitar heroes you know yeah and um was I hesitant? No, because going back to my son, he's a great judge of character. And and I know that if he's best friends with someone, which he is with Jake, uh, that person has a, a good quality of, of human being, personality, and, and it's somebody that I should get to know better going on my son's judgment. So the way that I approached Jake... And there really isn't anyone who says anything badly about Jake. Over all the years that he's been in the business, he's got pretty much an impeccable reputation as a human being. Um, so no, it, the thought never crossed my mind to be hesitant towards playing with, with, with another high-profile guitar player. But Jake's so much more than just a guitar player. You know, like, he's a musician. He's he's He's... A, a great person he's now he's become one of my closest friends and and my boss you know mm -hmm. at the same time so yeah did, did you ask jake to be considered to help write the songs or or did he ask you to, for help well the way that it started the writing process is jake had jake you know jake has all years obviously and we just got into the room with the original drummer and um sort of played him and the songs sort of took life from being just little riff ideas in his head or riff ideas that he had on his phone or whatnot. When we played them in a band context, they took on this other life. And then he would hear things where they would go in the sections and in the parts and stuff like that. So I would always ask him, what are you based in that section? You know, like, like, are, are you hearing me moving? Are you hearing me staying sta static? Are you hearing me, you know, being a little bit more melodic or groove oriented behind the beat, in front of the beat? What are you feeling? And then I would sort of come up with something um, that is a description that I was hearing. And then he would say yay or nay. And then we'd move forward or, or work on that section more. And, and so it, they kind of organically took shape with Jay, Jake, the uh, line item veto on the parts in the sections. And uh, that's, he navigated us through what he was hearing in his head and how he, he envisioned it. And uh, we got to put our little personal things here or there, but had rubbed against what, what he was feeling for that part. We would just change it immediately because we were playing the stuff live. Um, and then we started to work on the lyrics and the vocals and the melodies. And um, I had had a history of doing that with Oni and Robert in Lynch Mob. So I just did a song or two. I, I did rough vocals over the basic tracks that were already recorded and played it for him. And he liked the way that I approached writing. And... Uh, so I ended up writing the lion's share pretty pretty much a lot of well, almost the whole thing, but of, of the lyrics and the melodies. And um, we would come back, I would lay something down like scratch vocal, and then he would come in and listen to it and he's like, Oh, I like what you're doing here. 
but in this it's a little too busy maybe leave out these words so let's let's figure how the music and lick through the, the lyrics or you know like stuff like that and then we whittled it down to where then i would go back and write to what we whittled down you know yeah no, no there's only there's only 10 songs on on the record did you do more than 10 well we did a bonus for japan that um is a is is a version of havana like cellos and violins and a lot of authentic Irish instruments like a badra, a badrum, and um, there's mandolins and banjos and stuff on it. Um, we used a, an unorthodox drum kit that was made up of three uh, bass drums, um, like stacked like toms, and almost using one kick drum as the snare and another kick drum as a tom and another kick drum as an actual bass drum. And then we, we formulated that. Darren played that that drum part and um yeah i mean that that was our bonus track for the uh for the japanese cd and then we did 10 songs punch clown was never a bonus track punch clown became a bonus track on the cd because of the running time on the vinyl uh some of our songs are long and um we had to cut one song for sonic quality on vinyl if you have too many minutes on one side the grooves aren't deep enough to get uh, good sonic quality out of the vinyl. So we had to cut Punch Clown off the vinyl because of, of, of time constraints. And then that was added to the CD as a bonus track, even though it was never a bonus track. Yeah. Anthony, isn't it crazy you're talking about cutting songs off of vinyl in 2018? Well, I mean... You know, I'm not young. I'm not, you know, in my teens. And I, I, I anything to get it back to the way it was, I think was better. <laughs> so anything to do with music, anything to do with music quality, audio, I, I, I think it's atrocious right now, the state of music and how music has become background music, not the soundtrack to life. It's become sort of like music playing in the background that's that doesn't even like matter that's actually the the uh the premise that joe gorelick used uh, joe gorelick's an amazing director he did all the graphic layouts for the album he did all the photos for the album and his concept for the bitter video was that how we're in a bar but mostly pretty much everybody's ignoring us in the bar like they usually ignore music at a bar nowadays it's not like Music, music, iTunes has made music pretty much disposable, and they're peddling like MP3 horrible quality versions of 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 of, of the songs. Like it, it doesn't sound good, and and it doesn't mean as much anymore. Like music is sort of d diminished itself to the background, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now. Who, whose idea was it to get Max Norman in to mix it? Was it yours? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when we started working on the record, and we, um, we had already like started tracking, and I was like, hey, Jake, you know, wouldn't it be cool if, if Max got involved, like mixed this, you know? Because we didn't need help producing it. Jake and I were, were co-producing it, and then uh, Tyler and I were co-engineering it. And uh, we were like, wow, it'd be great if you mixed it because 
Um, my the biggest record I ever did in my life, Max produced and mixed, and the biggest record that Jake did. I don't know if Bark of the Moon's bigger than Ultimate Sin as far as sales goes, but I think it's it's pretty close or pretty up there. Um, but but working on Bark of the Moon with Jake is probably the record that most people most notably note Jake with us. They associate it with him. The first thing when you say Jake Lee, they think Bark at the Moon. Um, and it was kind of like a, a, a common denominator between Jake and I. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if Max got involved? And we contacted him, and he's like, yep, I want to do it. I don't care. I'll be there. Whatever you want me to do, I want to be involved. Love both you guys. Uh, yes, I want to mix it. And he hadn't even heard anything yet. <laughs> just just by going on Jake and, and me and having to work with both of us in the past. And uh, then he came out to the ranch and we played him the songs. And he really dug them. And he had, he had um, inputs on some of the songs here and there as things like he was hearing things. Oh, this section might be cool if you add this or blah, blah, blah. And, um, and he, he got, uh, his input, we went out to dinner one night and he came out to the ranch and we played him all his songs. And this way he kind of knew what was coming down the, the pipe at him. And, um, yeah, it was great working with him. It was great, great seeing him again. And, and you know, he's, he's a very talented human being. Like he's so, he's so great. <laughs> he's such a legend. And it was great to have him involved, you know, and then. And then also the guy that mastered it's another incredible, talented human being. Uh, his name's Roger Lean. He's done tons of albums. He, he came out of the old master disc mastering facility in New York that did, you know, tons of stuff, you know, like they mastered tons of records at master disc and he's on his own now. And, and, uh, we got him involved as well. So quality in quality out, you know, mm-hmm. now, did you have any input into the into how the mix was going to sound? Because this does not sound like Wicked Sensation, and it does not. Sound like <laughs> I know, Park thank God. Yeah. So <laughs> if it sounded like that record, I mean, that was a different time, you know. Yeah. That was a different. That was that was a different, and, and honestly, Wicked coming off five platinum albums with Dawkins, you know, it, it, had we not gotten radio play and and sales, it would have been a disappointment. Um, in the label's eyes, at least. So the whole approach to that CD was completely different than the way that 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 Jake approached Patina. Um, there is no radio, so you don't care if songs are six minutes or seven minutes long, and you're not you're not you're not recording or mixing to try to get it on the radio because the radio doesn't exist. So. Jake is very adamant about making music that he wants to hear and not about what people expect of him or what radio would play or chasing the new fad. Oh, oh, this is, this is in vogue right now. So let's sound like the guitar like this, or let's get a drum sound like that. We went, if anything, we went back and referenced old seventies bands and sixties bands. Um, so the sound, yes. Um, when Max was mixing, Jake and I would get, versions of the mixes and then we reflect on them and then we would put in our two cents and 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 tweak them but for the most part it's uh you know it's max max did it you know like, but we would go oh you know this is too loud or oh this is too bright or you know whatever 
mm. just just our two cents as most mixed guys prefer to, to do it when you're working with an artist you want it's the artist's vision of the music and um they're there to make it sound the, the the way the vision is initially set out they're there to make it sound the best possible way it can sound in that vision you know yeah but on the other hand anthony you're on frontiers <laughs> the records sound like they were recorded in the 80s they're looking for that sound well uh, frontiers doesn't really like us right now i mean we were missing deadlines left and right and i mean i was in contact with them in the beginning uh, and all i would keep saying is it's done when jake says it's done when 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 jake's happy with it and it's done then you'll get it and they would always propose these deadlines on us because they're used to most of their roster on the label doing a record in like, you know, a couple of weekends and sending it in. And we spent an hour and a half and um, we weren't searching for good enough. We were searching for like, I hate to use the word perfect, but not perfect, but like where we just, there was no question whether it was good enough. And, and um, they wanted quick flip sales you know we need you in this quarter to release and honestly we didn't really care you know we were we were making something that's going to be around long after we're done you know and and long after we're gone and we approached it like it was jake's last record that he would ever record so everything mattered every step of the way was was taken with 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 thought and 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 feeling and 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 how we wanted to present these songs, you know? So we didn't rush it and we didn't want to sound like eighties. It's, it's, we're not, we're not a retro band, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so Anthony, you knew Jake back, back in the day and you got, you, like, you've known him over the years now, but you've never recorded with the guy. Now, when you actually sat down and started writing and recording with him, was there anything that surprised you about, about him, the way he did it? Well, in the beginning, he kind of was feeling me out. Like he doesn't know me in that in that situation in that context. Whether I was going to be a bully, whether I was going to be uh, uh, attached to ideas and not open to willingness, like oh, you know, I hear this and that's got to be the way. I'm not like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think he felt me out in the beginning of the process, and I was sort of like, he's the boss. I respect him as a musician, top to bottom. He's got a great ear, and he's got a great impulse and intuition on things. I'm going to be the producer that I like to be working with, whereas know when to get out of the way and know when to interject your two cents to create a conversation. So I just sat back and let him pretty much dictate and run everything which as he should he's also my boss you know yeah um and let him run with it and he would ask me or i would ask him and that would you know start a conversation about parts and stuff but i think as the process went to go on he learned more about me as a person and more about me as a musician and more about me as um, a producer engineer and I learned the same in return about him. And um, the relationship got better and better and better and grew positively rather than butting heads and it going the other way, you know, which also could happen in certain situations. Yeah, yeah. Now, 
one of the things that I love, I think this out, al- by the way, I think the album's amazing, right? I'm, I'm, oh, thank you so much. Well, we're proud of it. You know, it we, is, we're proud. It is a, it's a big time grower though. You gotta, you gotta live with it for a while before it, it's, uh-huh. not, it's definitely not an immediate record, but what I, another thing I love about this, um, the mix on it, you can hear everything. It, like, well, that's Max. I mean, that's the beauty of Max. Max hears things that I don't hear, you know? Like, yeah. Same thing with Jake when we're coming up with parts, like melodies. He's like, no, this word needs to go to this note. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. And then once we punch it in, Darren would sing it. Darren and I would sit back and go, oh, my God. And it would just, by a little minute change, would change the whole picture of what was going on, you know, like Jake and Max, they, they hear deeper musically than, than a lot of people, you know, mm. but you can hear everything, every, every note of what everybody is playing. Like it's not, it's not that Jake is up front in the mix and you guys are supporting him. It's like, you're all playing together and I can hear every bass line, every drum hit. And it's like Jake pulled back a little bit. If anything, it's like, he's letting you guys shine, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a solo artist in a band context, you know. Like 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 I always draw the analogy to Trent Reznor in Nine Inch Nails, and he's or Jake is orchestrating everything that's being played, from drums to bass to vocals to keyboards to you know organs and. A percussion he's orchestrating it all so even though the guitar might not be three dbs louder than it needs to be riding over the lead vocal he's present in my bass lines and he's present in my in the drum phil's drums parts so by making it balance it's basically a reflection of jake's complete persona yeah and he also knows like I hate the term shred, but a lot of people uh-huh. use it. Like he'll do it sparingly. He might do it on one or two songs, and then he just have this really tasteful solo on on another one that'll really fit this. Like he always seems he plays to the song. It's not just like I want to well, my, my, my other two bosses that you re- re- referred to earlier were well, they're kind of one trick ponies. They do one thing really, really well and have made careers out of doing that one thing. Jake's not a one trick pony. Jake's uh, a well-rounded musician that on, on the, the guitar can play pretty much any style, anything he wants. And we didn't want to limit it to one facet of his guitar playing. It's almost like a Jimmy Page thing. In Led Zeppelin, he was involved in everything, Jimmy Page, from, you know, arranging, producing, and everything, and letting the other guys shine in that context. And he picked his spots to burn, and he picked his spots to be, you know, fluent and and, and feel-wise and creating soundscapes with his playing. And Jake's very much like that type of a player. He's not a one-trick pony. And um, we wanted to make sure that it wasn't, you know, we weren't just replaying Bark at the Moon for 10 songs. You know what I mean? Like, that's not where we're at at this point in our lives. And that's why the album's called Patina, because over a period of time, wood and metal developed these things on them that 
are also beautiful in their own way. And it's over experience in time that all of our playings have developed. And it's not a one trick pony. You know what I mean? It's an interesting thing you just brought up there, Anthony, because I was going to touch on this. Um, I've had a lot of people say to me that, you know, they were hoping that the album would sound a bit more like Badlands, right? And I'm thinking to myself, right, if you look at any other artist, you can join up all the dots. They might have played with all these different musicians and written all these different albums over the last 20 or 30 years. But with Jake, there's a huge gap there. There's mm-hmm. like there's Badlands and then he released the Fine Pink Mist, I think, a solo record. And then he disappeared for 20 years. So so when he came back as a, as a listener, the only frame of reference you had was albums that were so far back, released so far back. But mm-hmm. we don't know how he matured as a player because he didn't actually release anything. So it's only now we're getting to hear it. Right. Correct. So do you get that a lot from people that they wanted it to sound a little bit more like Badlands or a bit more like Ozzy? Yeah, but Badlands and Ozzy exist already. They they were, you know, that was Jake in the mid-80s and Jake in the late 80s, early 90s with Badlands and mid-80s with Ozzy. That, the, first of all, those that's a situation where Jake was a different person than he is now. You know, now he's in his early 60s mm-hmm. and he's had all those experiences in life to reflect and alter his approach to music and his approach to his instrument. Um, and also, he's not involved in the same situations with the same musicians. It's, it's, it's different flavorings. Uh, a, a different voice. I mean, Ray's voice to Ozzy's voice to Darren's voice are three completely different things. And um, to go back to recreate and just for the for sake, uh, there's no growth there. Yeah, yeah, I get you. So, so what have we got coming up, Anthony? I know you're touring. Touring. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you're playing touring, on my touring, way. Touring. I think you're playing on my way in March, I believe. Yeah, New Bedford, Mass, I believe, is the place we're playing. Um, yeah, that's just the first run. Uh, I mean, we're, hopefully we're going to promote the hell out of this record because it deserves it. And not to mention that it deserves to be played live. Those songs were written live, and we're excited about how it's going to transfer itself to a live situation on stage in the moment every night. Uh, those songs will probably take on a different life uh, live than they, they are recorded and um, they're written pretty much for the stage in mind because because we did formulate them in a live jamming rehearsal room context you know so we're not just doing that run I think after that run that's the dates are we're going to go to Japan in mid-April and then there's talk of uh, Euro- a European run and then another states run and um, who knows where 2019 will, will, will bring us, but we're, we're definitely not going to sit dormant. We're trying to give some space after the release and trying to release videos to keep interest up and see if the album gets a leg, a life of its own uh, before we tour to create some buzz and excitement to actually come see the band live. That's why we're waiting uh, we released in early November and we're not touring till February because we kind of want 
with with interviews like yourself that we're doing now and and releasing videos and Jake's doing tons of interviews and and we're trying to create this 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 gra- grassroots groundswell of excitement for people to want to come out and s- see the band live. Yeah, well, uh, this material definitely is, is is all set up to be played live. Yeah, he doesn't want to do Ozzy anymore. We're not going to do any more Ozzy tunes on this one. Yeah. And um, I, I think there might be one or two Badlands songs per night that might leak their way in somewhere in the set. But it's the lion's share of, of the set's going to be this new album, maybe with two or three songs off the first album, and maybe one or two Badlands songs sprinkled in you know, nightly different ones and alter, you know, revolving. And, uh, but it's predominantly the set's going to be this new album because we we're excited and we're very proud of the songs. Yeah. Anthony, do you mind if I ask you a question off the record? Sure. Right. Well, I don't care if it's on the record or off. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, we did an interview with Keith Olsen and he was talking oh. about, he was talking about the Lynch mob record, right? The second one. Uh-huh. And, one of the things he mentioned that was really tough was uh, when you started splitting up the writing credits for the record. Right. Um, he said that George probably wrote 25% of the songs and he wanted 75% of the songs. And he said that day was tough in the studio. Well, George preaches how he always desires a band equality situation. Um, it's something that Throughout the years after Dawkins, he has always said how he wanted to be in a band, equal split on everything, equal this, equal that. And then when push comes to shove and, 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 and it's time to pay brass taxes, he sort of, sort of backpedals it. And it was like evident with the new, you know, Oni firing Jimmy DeAnda, whatever happened. You know, the record's called The Brotherhood, and then all of a sudden it's not, you know, Mm -hmm. he's got a history of this. So when we did the first record, I was the last member to join. And the premise that I joined under was everything is split equally. Publishing, merch, and everything is split equally. But I don't have any, I don't have 25% on Wicked Sensation. And I think the other song was Sweet Sister Mercy. Um, even though I had input on those songs, I had to waive those two songs. So I waived them. So when we came around to do the second album, George was like, I write all the music, which he didn't. Um, I write all the music. I want 50%. I don't remember it being 75%. I remember it being 50%. And then you guys will split up the rest. And I think that... Mick and I only came down three or five percent. Maybe we went 20, 20, 10, and then George got 50. Like Mick and I got 20, and then Robert, being the new guy, got 10. Um, it was something like that was the split. I don't remember 75 ever being the number, and, and that, that's not the way it's split up now. But yes, George did say that while we were writing before we went into the studio that he wanted more. It wasn't going to be an equal split anymore. And I think he used the opportunity where we did the singer change from Oni to Robert. And Robert was never cut in as a band member. Robert was like a hired gun on that record. And I think he used that opportunity 
to um, manipulate the split to his favor. Yeah. Were you in the studio when uh, when Glenn Hughes was brought in to sing? No. Um, I yes and no. I was there. I mean, you know, we went in. We wrote a lot. As, as Lynch Mob always did, we took our time with the writing with both CDs. Um, then we went in the studio. Mick usually took two weeks to do drums. I took longer on Wicked to do bass because I was so young and so new and so green. And I love Max and I love Neil Kernan for my, my hearing was not as developed as it is now. Like I couldn't really hear things that they were saying. Like I wasn't on the kick drum. I wasn't on like exactly the way it was um, supposed to be. And it was pre pro tools. So you couldn't really like nowadays people will move instruments to line up. Like you had to play it back then. And um, they stuck with me and they, they taught me where we were recording in LA. They could have hired any bass player they wanted to on the record, but they, they stuck with me, Max and Neil, and they explained, they took the time to work with me and explained to me and taught me how to listen how to hear things. And uh, to this day, day and age, I owe them so much uh, gratitude and, and love and respect for them for sticking with me and teaching me rather than firing me and hire somebody that was older and more experienced to do it, you know? And um, so that my base probably took 12 days on Wicked. And then when I did with Keith, we did the two weeks with drums with Mick, and then I, I think it took me a day and a half to do bass on those 15 songs, you know, because I had been, they taught me so well on the first album, and then after a year and a half, two years of touring on Wicked, I got, I got to be so much better of a player, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't around. Like, like Glenn was, Glenn came in when, then when George started playing the guitars, and Robert started singing. That's when Glenn came in. And I was there for the beginning portion of that era, of that portion of the recording process. But it really wasn't um, a great feeling in the studio. Like, I remember George butting heads with Keith and, 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 and the engineer, Shea Baby, at the time, over his tone and over... It, it, it wasn't a very fun album to make w wicked was great i mean that's my first real record and i was only 22 years old when i did that record mm. and 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 uh, you know it was a great learning experience and it was a great there was a great vibe in the studio and um we had kind of hoped that the record would do better than it did um it only went gold which back then was not very good Everybody seemed to go platinum back then, but we released it the same year as Nevermind, so the whole climate had changed greatly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Phil Verone lasted one day playing with the Bullet Boys. What, do, you know, <laughs> do you know what happened there? No idea. No idea at all. Um, Unbelievable. I mean, you, you just look at the parties involved and look at their past history, I and know. then you'll you'll sort of figure it out. It's pretty I obvious. I know it, it's Mark Torian. I don't know the guy. I've, I've known. I know about him. But I figure I'd ask you because you play in a band with Phil. Yeah, I love Jimmy D. Love Jimmy DeAnda to death. Yeah. I I guested for a week with Bullet Boys when they were having a problem with Lonnie. 
Um, Jason Hook, who was the guitar player in the, in the Bullet Boys at the time, now in Five Finger Death Punch, and Jimmy DeAndre was playing drums. And uh, I was asked to come in for a week to fill in at the end of a tour. And uh, I did. I did do it as a favor to Jimmy because I love Jimmy. And my last words to Mark after that week was, dude, lose my number. Don't ever call me again. Wow. And I get along with everybody. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I get along with everybody except for Lynch. <laughs> The other things Keith brought up was that he, he said he couldn't tell George to do anything. He couldn't te- he couldn't say, "Can you try this?" He just said no. Yeah, and I find that ironic because George wanted Keith Olsen to produce him that record because he wanted White Snake. George wanted that that success that White Snake had and that sound that White Snake had, so that's why he wanted Keith. Mm. So I don't understand why you would hire somebody and then not listen to him. Yeah, yeah. So, so how surprised were you when, I'm sure somebody told you straight away that, I'm just going to ask you an Ace Freely question, that he fired the whole band and got Gene Simmons banned in. Um, I, I think, honestly, when I was with Ace, the period of time that I was with Ace um, and the record that we did together yeah. when I was involved, I, I think that that period of his time it was a professional situation. Um, the, the band, the look, the live shows, the record, uh, everything was pretty top notch. And um, I always used to tell him, I'm like, your success and the reason why people know of you and listen to you is because you have that ex-Kiss guitar player, Ace Freely. That ex-kiss thing is before your name. And that will help open a lot of doors, but it also comes along with a responsibility that you have to deliver a level of professionalism and people expect a show. They don't just expect four guys, five guys jumping on stage on rented gear and plowing through the songs. They, they expect a professional performance and they expect, you know, a quality, a standard that warrants an ex kiss members situation. Mm. And I think that before I joined his solo situation, wasn't that way. 
And I think after it joined, it deteriorated back to the way that it was before I joined. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Can you- I mean, if you, if you YouTube live shows on the rocket ride tour or the anomaly tour, and you look at the back line with the blue mirrored blue plexi and the backdrops and the stage lighting and the intro music and us wearing the flight suits and Ace coming out and ripping his guitar like he was playing incredibly back then mm. and and his singing was on point and 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 the the quality of the show if you YouTube the Rocket Ride tour or you YouTube the Anomaly tour. I mean, there's a, a quality, a standard, a professionalism around his organization that's not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds to me, though, Anthony, that you'd probably play with Ace again before you'd play with George if the opportunity came up. In a heartbeat. Yeah. In fact, I reached out to Ace, and I, we, we text. Like, probably, I I'd probably text Ace once a month or whatever. He'll text me, I'll text him, you know? Yeah. I would love, I would love to work on, like, I would love to produce a, a record with him. Like, I think the record that we did, the Anomaly record, we started it out. It was ferocious. It was killer. And then um, I had Thompson and Barbiero mixing the record, who had done Appetite for Destruction and had done Tesla back in the day. Like, they're, they're, they mixed quality albums, yeah. and they were mixing. And then all of a sudden... Ace got this new manager that dragged him over to to California. They cut the cover song with all these studio guys. They hired some other guy to mix it, and and lyrics got changed on the record to these hokey, stupid stuff. And all of a sudden, the record didn't sound nearly as good and nearly in your face. I was always like, Ace, you're a guitar hero, man. People want to hear those licks that you come up with, those parasite licks, those those old school 70s rock licks that you used to come up with when you were excited about playing guitar and you were you were, you were excited about music and you cared about like being in people's faces with your guitar lick. Mm. You know, and and the and the record got hijacked and it got mixed like a modern album and 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 it deteriorated from the point that he went to LA, you know, it totally went south. And that record could have sounded a thousand times better than it did when it came out. And the, I think everything he's done after Anomaly is not even as good as Anomaly is. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a gradual deterioration, I think. But it, it, the buck stops with Ace, and it's his decisions, and, and he makes the decisions, and so be it, you know. It's, he's the boss. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, you're going to go out now with Red Dragon Cartel next year. So do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can get in touch with the band? I mean, it's all, I mean, you just, the Red, Red, Red Dragon Cartel has a Facebook page. It has a, 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 a website and it's got a YouTube channel. I think we're on the Frontiers YouTube channel. Yeah. I mean, it's all, you know, we're, we're, we are very easily found for people who are looking the, the the problem is we need to get to people that so they know we exist. So at least they hear us and then they'll look for us. Like it's the point of them going. And that's where radio used to make the difference. Radio, you used to get in your car 
And for the person who doesn't have serious radio or or uh, whatever it is, you know, Ozzy's Boneyard or whatever the Hair Nation channels are in your car or whatever, yeah. or, or, or your Spotify Pandora. For the people who just have regular radios in their car, rock radio used to be the thing like, oh, here's a new one from ex-Ozzy guitar player Jake Lee. His band's called Red Dragon Cartel. Here's a new song, Havana, boom. And you're like, suddenly people remember... And know you exist, and then they look for you. There's very little in this modern age. It's people have to know. I always quote Silence of the Lambs. You know, people covet what they see. Yeah. If they don't see it, they can't covet it, and they can't search it out. And I, I always say, please just give us 45 minutes to an hour and listen to the CD. You don't have to buy it. You don't. Have, you don't. Have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just. We worked so hard on it, it, and it's such a good CD, and we're so proud of it, that it's warrants and deserves a listen. Well, I'll tell you, Anthony, I bought it. I get it sent to me for as promotion, uh -huh. but I nearly uh -huh. always buy the physical copy just to support the art. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate that. And, 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 and you know, sales are going well. I don't think Frontiers has anything to balk about. You know, we did. Re I think we were the fourth highest-selling rock record on Amazon behind three Queen CDs. It was like because of the movie, the Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. soundtrack and Night at the Opera and Queen Anthology were the only three that were ahead of us. And then, you know, we did we did pretty well on the charts and stuff mm. for, the, for the first couple of weeks. And it, I don't know where it's at now. I haven't gotten numbers or whatever. But, but I mean, the, 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 we have people. That's the one thing, too. Like, on all these sites and all these blogs and all these whenever we post a youtube video whether people like it or not they care about it enough to listen to it and they care about enough to post a comment about how they feel about it yeah. which in this day and age is 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 so important and so difficult to get that that people care enough about something to take the time to hunt it down and listen to it or watch it and then take the time to post a comment giving their point of view on it is great. You know, I mean, that's, we can't ask for anything more than that. True. So, so Anthony, last question from me. Um, what Badlands song would you like to play in the set? Soul Stealer. Oh, okay. My, my three, Jake asked us which three you wanted to pick. I'm like a big Voodoo Highway fan. I wanted Soul Stealer. Three day funk or last time. Those are my three. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my two cents in. I think he should play something off Dusk because he would never. Well, we played. were doing, we were doing Sun Red Sun. That was in the set list for the last tour. Oh God damn it! I have to get out there now and find out what you're gonna play. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm a big Voodoo. High. I remember Voodoo Highway when it came out. I think it came out while we were working on Wicked Sensation or right around the time. Yeah, 19, Wicked Sensation. 19, yeah, about 1990. Yeah, so we Wicked was done and it had just came out. Voodoo Highway just came out. And I remember listening to that over and over in my car. And that CD is very uh, dear to my heart. I, I prefer that over the first one. And Dusk, I didn't even know existed until I started playing with Jake. Like, I didn't even know there was a third Badlands CD. And he burned it for me. And um, and because we were doing Sun Red Sun. Yeah, can, can you believe they're one-take demos? 
Dust. I, I didn't know that either. I mean, until you just said it, I didn't know that that's what, that was the case. The quality on, on it is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, well, they were great bands. I mean, they were they were a quality band, bad bands. I mean, I, I went to see them many a time, and uh, they they had great great musicians, and the songs were great. And I mean, honestly, like you know, Ray, uh, you know, he's he was special. You know, yeah, he had a, he had the whole package, an incredible voice, a great look an amazing stage presence and he was a super nice guy like i i I always whenever i saw ray i'd walk into a club in new york or or a bar or at a show or whatever i would get the huge ass ray gillen smile from across the room and he'd make a beeline to me i'd make a beeline to him we'd hug and be like he'd be like ant man how the hell are you man i miss you you know like (laughs) like he was always just glowing like he just People radiated to him. He, wherever he was, he was the center of the room, nice. and um, and 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 talented beyond belief. And 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 for the core of that band, he and Jake. I mean, really, like you, you can't really get any better than that, you know? Yeah, another band that should have been massive and just didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, it's t- you know, it was they they weren't playing, they weren't writing songs that rock radio was playing at that time you know and it was that was kind of you know it it it, it was tough you know it's very tough it was it was tough but uh, they stuck to their guns and 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 they got quality and credibility Mm. and um in this day and age that's worth more to people some people um than sales uh you know you know quality and credibility lasts time sales is usually periodic yeah that's the one thing i've always heard about jake is uh you know he's he's all about the credibility and the songwriting it's like he doesn't really care about the rest of the stuff he's obviously still like that yeah and that's that's what 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 the core of of this cd is about Mm. um obviously jake being the main of, of, of the driving force of the CD, his his values, his opinions, and his belief system is the core of this CD. And we didn't chase any fads. We didn't listen to what other bands were doing presently. And and it, it was all about making a record that uh, was quality and that. W- we were proud of and that would stand the test of time you know okay well, well anthony it's been a pleasure talking to you it's been a great chat i really enjoyed it well thank you so much for for helping us promote this um helping us promote our band and helping us promote the cd we really really appreciate the interest and the effort and 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 and, and thank you so much from from myself and uh the other three members well, hopefully, if, if I get down to the new Bedford show, I can get back and say hello to you in person. Yeah, it'd be awesome. It'd be excellent. Okay. <laughs> I All love right, that. Anthony. We'll have, we'll a, have a shot. Have a we'll good rest we'll of the day. We'll have a Guinness and a, and a shot of whiskey. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right, All take right. care of yourself. Okay, dokes. Bye now. Bye.
Everything you wanted to know about uh, the new uh, release, Patina, from Red Dragon Cartel and more. And uh, again, great job. Nice questions. It was, it's, you know, it's kind of a shame that some of the, where he was, it wasn't quite allowing the phone to quite get there. There was some some dropouts here and there and stuff. Although, at, at a point, once he got in the studio, things definitely got way better, which is great. When, when, I, when this was scheduled, um, I was... I wasn't given the time limit. Yeah. I don't think he was doing a run of interviews. Which is, you know, interesting, too, because when you talked, said you were talking to Anthony Esposito, um, I thought, okay, well, and and, you, and I looked at how much time it was. I, was. I wasn't even thinking that it was for, for, for RDC. I thought, oh, okay, did you do a retrospective? Is this something that, and then it was like, oh, wow, this is really, it's a, 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 a promo for the band. And, yeah. and, and I was like, well, that's really cool that they gave you that much time. Yeah, I wasn't given a time limit. And uh, the only reason I stopped talking to him was I had to go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have an hour lunch. Yeah, he was, and he was, he was very open, very honest. And, and, and uh, yeah, I, was, I thought it was a great interview. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very cool. No, he was good. Of course, I think that, you know, even though that wasn't what we were intending to run this week, I think it was a great way to cap off the year. And also, you know, it's a, it's a cool album. I've been a fan of Jake for a long time. And uh, so, you know, to help promote Red Dragon Cartel and uh, get people, you know, enthused about it, you know, want to go check it out and all that and try to go with their broader vision of promoting the album. I'm I'm totally with, with doing that. And it does kind of um, let you know that, yeah, we have some really cool stuff coming up for next year. You manage to talk to somebody about a band that... Uh, People who've worked with that band consider to be an insider with the band. These people, for this particular band, never talk. Mm. And um, do you want to see who it is? Nope. Okay. <laughs> but uh, it's it's. Uh, I think it was really cool that uh, that they were willing to, to to talk. You know about some of the stuff, and uh, I think that's probably a, a, a privilege for us to, to actually you know do that. And, and kudos to you for. Uh, you know the amount of trust we've gained with this person over the years. Yeah, to, well, to want to do that because they're, you know, they're 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 like, yeah, you know, they're like a friend at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. True. I got I got an hour mm. and uh, yeah, it was good good conversation. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, some good insight. And then we've got some other stuff coming up too. That uh, talking to some behind the scenes folks. And that's always been a, a cool thing with the show. Was talking to people that uh, you know you not just not just artists, but you know people who work crew and managers and producers and all that kind of stuff. And, and Richie went out and they've got some great stuff mm. um, coming up as well. And I mean, at this point, I think we come back in February, we have almost February. We have February. We have February. <laughs> if, we, <laughs> if we were to do nothing now, we would have everything done for yeah. February. So it's great, you know, but you know what, man, it's been a, it's been a hell of a year. The two of us have been Busy like you wouldn't freaking believe. There's been a lot going on uh, in our life. Life's been uh, you know <laughs> turned upside down, inside out, and all that. And it's it's amazing that uh, you know 400 plus episodes, we're still chugging along. When did I start? A hundred and something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It Jesus. was back there. <laughs> Six years I'm doing this shit. I mean, you're like you're like you're like uh, um, like James Kotak. You know, everyone thinks he's like oh he was just that you know that fill-in drummer for the Scorpions, but hell, he was in there the longest. <laughs> so you're like the James Kotak of Focus, Focus on Metal. Yeah, and of course, I've, I've 
we're going to have more stuff done between now and the end of January. That that's that's <laughs> a given. Yeah, and you know the pro- the thing then is you've the time sensitive stuff, and this gets pushed back, and I so, yeah. And then when do you say no? And it's like, oh yeah, I'd really like to talk to that person. And you, then you could talk to someone like Anthony, and it's an hour. Yeah, that's an episode. Yeah, it's like okay, that's one episode. We can't get two two under one. And, yeah, you know, I was I, I was offered Wolf Hoffman. I'm yeah. not going to say the Wolf. No. Yeah. Although the one I will say one thing about the Wolf Hoffman interview, I think it was done like five days before Peter Baltes left. Uh huh. And. Hand on heart, when I was talking to him, I never got a sense that he knew he was leaving mm. and he was hiding it. I just didn't get that feeling at all. Yeah. And I asked him about Peter uh-huh. once or twice. Yeah. And, he, you know, there was no hesitation in his, in his right. answer about yeah. maybe spilling the beans or, 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 or uh, qui- you know, his voice didn't quiver. Yeah, yeah. So, I, listen, he might have known and he's a very good actor, but <laughs> I, I didn't get a sense that he knew then. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and again, that was another one that was like last minute dropped in. Connor Garrity was a last minute. It was, yeah. So this whole month has been a actually even November. It's been a shuffle the last two months. Normally of like, this time of the do. year, there's fucking nothing coming out. Like curve, curve, we knew Metal Church was coming. Yeah. Um, and I got Kurt, and we got. I knew that wasn't going to be like an hour. It was probably going to be about half an hour, and it ended up being about that. Mm. Um, but then I, you just get offered these other guys. Um, and it's like, yeah, sure, we'll take them. Like, like, I thought Red Dragon were done. Yeah, doing the promo, right? More or less done. And uh, I was offered Anthony, and I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, and that's an hour, and that's right. an episode. <laughs> <laughs> and it's you know, we only do an hour. We we try and do an hour a week. Yeah, I think. Well, we try because we've got you know certain stations. It's only an hour, um, and so. We, we hate to have people miss out on stuff, and, and we've kind of made a conscious effort this year to try to get down more back towards the hour than, you know, doing 90 minutes, almost two hours, and, and, and so it just, it's been working out that way, so whenever possible, we yeah, could we, do we try it. to, you know? We could yeah. do an hour and a half if we wanted Yeah, well, it's just like I said, there's some stations that, with the slot's only an hour, no, so, I understand so then they lose, they lose, you know... A good chunk of she it. Wants you know. to listen to me and you blabber on. For Apparently, sake. a lot of people for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think it's been cool. It's been a hell of a year, and uh, hey, you know, we we made it back up to another winter break, another year, and uh, switching over to uh, like I said, over four hundred episodes now, which is crazy. I never thought that uh, that we'd get there, and uh, here we are. And then mm. you look back, and I was I was actually shocked when the number came up, like holy crap! But. Mm. Uh, and especially after the you know the year that uh, that we've had, so yeah. yeah. Do you know who's got albums coming out now and early next year? You've got Overkill, Last in Line in February. Yep. You've got Burn and Rain in March. Yep. That's just off the top of my head. Queensrÿche March. Queensrÿche's in March. I'm sure we'll we'll probably be offered all of those, mm-hmm. and we'll say yes, and then <laughs> everyone else will get pushed back till June. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's been cool, and uh, hey, you know. So you've been working your butt off on this, and so uh, you know, take some rest, enjoy some time with the family. No, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep doing these. You know, if I get these, I can uh, hopefully have a, a at least two weeks where I'm not mixing something. That would be uh, that would be cool. So yeah, I just won't send them to you, and then I'll send six of them in one night. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have one tomorrow. <laughs> oh man. 
So, yeah, it's so, hey, you know, and everyone out there, listeners, hey, we appreciate you sticking with us for another year. You know, you keep listening, and uh, hopefully we'll keep on doing this. So, uh, uh, you know, hey, thanks again for another year. And uh, yeah. any, any words of wisdom there? Oh, we really appreciate it. Um, all the people who listen to me or reading my blabbers on uh, <laughs> on Facebook. And, uh, no, we, we honestly, God, we do appreciate it, all the correspondence yeah. good and bad yeah um, we do this because we love it we don't ask for anything donations or anything like that we're not going to do that so yep. we're just keep we're just going to keep on doing what we're doing yep absolutely all right and you know hey we you know like i said we've got a lot of stuff already in the can ready for february so uh you know i know a lot of shows they take a break and then they fall off the face of the earth but uh not us. that's never our plan no. so uh you know that's it for uh for another year uh, there ain't no more stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for uh, myself and... And me, the Irish dude. Have yourselves a uh, great uh, great metal week and a hell of an excellent great metal break from our blathering. And we will see you again in February. But until then, remember... Focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.